was talking about. I don't know how I'm going to pick that up. Yeah. I was talking about what could we learn from bringing that in. Oh, sorry. We could put all of this in the podcast if you like. <laughs> Maybe we will. Is this going to go in the potty? Probably. We could put it at the start. I don't think I said any swear words. Oh, but we, we've got the explicit tag. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Real Clinicians, Real Chats. My name is Alex Murray. I'm a podiatrist and strength and conditioning coach based in Canberra, Australia. And I'm Kit Wisdom. I'm a physiotherapist currently studying a somatic psychotherapy based in Melbourne, Australia. So we've got a little bit of a, a different episode for yeah. you guys. Maybe, hmm. maybe an extension episode, an extension of what we're trying to achieve with our reflections. Yeah, like a, like bringing in another layer, perhaps. Because mm. mm. I, I was sort of like, oh, we've reached this point as a podcast. What if we brought on a guest? Yeah. Which what is like, we... an, this is like that normal, natural kind of step, isn't it? Like, you know, we've been chatting. Oh, we could get some fresh blood. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were the less violent slash... <laughs> Like up front, fresh blood. I don't know um, why I said those words because why? they're so not what I mean. But <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, we were we were started to chat about like you know we kind of went straight into a bit of like who you know and it's really interesting I think watching that process of of our next step of a of a podcast because this is new for us right. Mm. Um, and I think Alex, you were first sort of did you chuck out a few names? Is that how it worked? Yeah, and so I, I was like, oh, like there's people out there that are really have either similarities to us in terms of the way that they go about talking about things, have a, maybe a different background, different expertise, but probably be quite open to maybe mm. just our similar process, like coming on and reflecting. Yes. Um, yeah, I think that was the key, wasn't it? We were like, who would be comfortable just shooting and uh, shooting, just sitting. This is this really themes coming up here, isn't it? Um, but sitting with us and kind of shooting the shit, I was going to say. Yeah. So like reflecting in a way that's not necessarily about presenting new knowledge from an expertise place. Well, having having a real structure and drawing upon like things that they've talked about heaps before. Hmm. Yeah, because I think the value that we're really leaning into here is around the emergence and the reflection and the conversation and, and allowing it to ebb and flow. I think that's what we're really kind of excited about. Mm. Um, so I think for us, it was like not necessarily what knowledge can we bring on, but who might be willing to to lean into that sort of a format and, and hang out with us in that way. Mm. And... It was interesting because then I, what, what you sort of said was, well, or I remember the idea coming up that it's like, well, what if we not looking for people in our position? Like, because there's as much as we want to say that we're, um, we're clinicians, we're in the, we're in the thick of it because we are still, hmm. but we are, we're podcast hosts. We do education. We are a little bit different to, to the everyday clinician. Hmm. And so we, you had the great idea of thinking, well, what if we find people that have listened to our podcast that are interested potentially in coming, having a chat and having that reflection and, and seeing what someone, our target audience, the people that we are trying to, to help with this, hmm. what, what, what their experience is. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, I floated the idea of, of our lovely guest, Bern, um, because she kind of matchmaked us about a year ago, uh, mm. where she said, hey, you might like Alex. Um, and she kind of put us together and, and got our conversations going. So I thought that might be a really nice place to start. Um, <clears throat> and I'm pretty sure Bern listens to the podcast. Is that right, Bern? Yeah, I um, try my best. Anyway, <laughs> I haven't listened to the latest one, but I that's definitely... Okay. Oh, no, because that's the one we're going to try I and draw I knew this would happen. <laughs> Not at all. Um, but yeah, so well, I guess ooh, you go. 
I was going to say, before we go any further, we should get Byrne to introduce yeah. herself. Because oh. we will jump straight into a discussion. What would you like to tell people, Byrne? <laughs> oh, um, I was, when you were introducing yourself, I was like, oh, I hope they do it for me. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I'm Bernie Mead, Bernadette, and I'm a podiatrist in Warnable, Victoria. Beautiful. It's like you practiced it earlier or something. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> Lovely. Um, well, thanks for coming on. Um, you mm. are the first person, which is both kind of uh, lovely and also I'm sure a little bit um, maybe scary. I'm not sure. Um, but I thought what would be cool is to hear from you around like what's kind of resonated with you around the potty or um, what's landed with you, something for you that kind of... Um, is specific to your experience? Um, well, I guess it's just, I do love the realness of it, like listening to it. I don't notice myself kind of, you know, feeling not enough or um, I kind of smile as I listen to it and giggle along with you guys because it just feels quite safe. Um, and, you know, you, you're sort of talking about, your journeys and your the things that don't go so right and I think that feels real and, and like what we're all kind of going through as um, I guess ordinary clinicians in the you know in in the world and trying to do the best we can with what we know at the time hmm. yeah yeah so there's like a a level of comfort that comes through a little bit perhaps in hearing our imperfectness potentially yeah. or the stories that we share and yeah nice hmm. is i guess as a question for you is that something that you feel is not not out there as much yeah definitely i i think when you know as you guys just said, most of the time we get experts on in and while that's awesome and we learn so much from it, sometimes I feel like you can feel so overwhelmed and we feel like, oh God, I'm not doing any of that and when can I fit that in or when can I, you know, learn about that and um, it's, it's hard to fit so much stuff in and there's always more that we can learn and try and do but yeah I think mm. we're all we're all you know in different paths and we'll all provide different things that resonate with um, our patients differently and that's you know the uniqueness of what we do um, but mm. yeah I do do find that it sometimes can be overwhelming and, and maybe that's just for me but um, I did that's what I really resonated with I think when I first started listening to you guys there wasn't that thought of you know, oh, I'm not doing enough so much there. Kind of a little... No, I keep those in thoughts internal. <laughs> <laughs> well, so do I until today, maybe. <laughs> Yay! Oh, we, we really appreciate you coming on, um, truly. Like, it's... Mm -hmm. We, we can, can understand that it's a big, big thing, so we appreciate you, you coming and having a go. Um, I think there's something in that for me around um, that sense of always needing to consume more and more mm. knowledge as a way to become a better clinician and that real sense of like we can tell in our bodies when we kind of can't take any more um, but to me it's like well what's the option it, it feels a bit like all or nothing and so I suppose mm. for me what I'm what we're trying to do here with the reflection piece is try and provide a place for that kind of middle bit where it's not all or nothing, but it's kind of a place to even rest in reflection in a way. Um, what do you think about that, Alex? I guess I'm, I'm sort of stuck on thinking mm. more practically, which is my <laughs> strength and weakness. Because I think, I think, you what what really resonates is is that from what Byrne said and what you've said is that we're sort of not having we're not creating environment as as a mm. default 
for people to feel comfortable because I, I keep thinking about how there is an infinite amount of knowledge to learn. Like we think about how many papers are published each day. We think about how much new information is out there. And even just back to the word expert, because, you know, what do we mean by that? Because there is no way that we are ever able to consume mm. everything. There's no way to ever, us ever know anything. So why do we have this default of we need to be doing more, we need to know more? Why do we have this idea that other people are experts and we aren't. We've, we've had a level of training and there is a level of reflection and gaining knowledge and developing and growing. But why are we, you know, I, I feel like as a wider sort of practical sort of thing about workplaces and, and education widely, like why, why do we have this idea that there needs to be more? Because there will always be more. Mm. Well, where's, where's, the, where's the safety or, or, or how... You know, can we be going about creating more environments where we don't feel that? Well, <clears throat> really interestingly, uh, my brain's just jumped to, I just come back from a Hakomi week. And as we we're doing our checking out reflections, one of the most powerful reflections was pretty simple. And it was, a, a, you know, she was a psychologist herself, so studying the somatic psychotherapy. And she said, this is the first learning environment that I've ever been in where there's no shame. And there's no competition. And we're actually here in support of each other's learning journey. And we're all going at a different pace. But it, And it's taken her, I think we've done now like six modules, six modules to really understand that and feel that level of safety, that it's actually not about knowing more than the person next to you. And it's actually not about, you know, finding, uh, you know, a way to be better than someone else or be, you know, not that we intentionally try and make people feel bad, but we might feel pretty shit ourselves and we might look to try and make ourselves feel better by knowing something, you know, like, so that was really interesting that it's really hitting home in this learning environment that it's actually inherently safe and that allows so much more to come up and then we learn more deeply mm. because we're not holding back and we're not thinking we're in competition and you know so it's really interesting when the safety piece is really deeply starts to be there and what can actually come up for people and how they can actually learn in a completely different way mm. i'm wondering Bern, what you're thinking around hearing that and then thinking about the learning environments that you've been involved with or, or potentially still still involved with if we're thinking about clinical practice and the day-to-day? -day. Yeah, well, I was thinking about it earlier. Um, I think that's the challenge with social media and um, podcasts is, I guess, when people who know a lot about things get on there and talk, I think naturally a lot of us probably then feel, you know, not enough and we put that on ourselves and I guess we do go into shame but. Um, thinking about that more widely, you know, they are talking about the thing that they know a lot about. So there's going to be, you know, heaps of stuff they don't know much about too. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, I guess, the, the mindset maybe that you're in when you're listening and um, those sorts of things as well. But yeah, and I was, I was also thinking that even when Kit said, oh, I'll get some headphones, I was like, oh, God, I've got to find my headphones because I guess the last few years, um, I've, I've, I guess I've really tried to slow down and not listen to as many podcasts. And, you know, when I go for a walk, I just go for a walk to go for the walk. I don't listen to things anymore. And I think that's been really nourishing for me, but um, yeah, there's just, there is so much knowledge out there, but um, I guess me being nourished as well is probably really helpful for me as a clinician and, you know, for my patients and my partner and all those things. So I guess you've got to get the balance and that's always really tricky. Can I ask, Bern, is how did you notice that you needed less consumption of podcasts? Like, was there something that that kind of gave you a, a little bit of a hint about that? Um, I think it was just when I, well, 
I just loved going for a walk and just like listening to the things around me, like the birds and walking along the beach and just listening to the waves. And um, I guess I've never really liked headphones because they seem to fall out of my ears anyway. <laughs> um, maybe that was a sign. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, but I just think it was, I think it was maybe my nervous system maybe knowing that that's not what I mm. needed. Um, yeah. Nourishment became yeah. the piece that created the safety rather than the, like the, the podcast telling you what to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Mm. Maybe just inherently my body knowing what I needed. I'd listening yeah. to my gut. Mm. It's interesting because I, I very much always want to preface this where I don't want to be, because I do this comparison always, and people go, well, "This is this is a comparison." Because I'm I'm, I've got the new puppy, and I'm seeing lots of things, and it's just making me see like because there there's so many similarities. You love the human and the dog and, like, comparison, and... don't you? The baby, the baby and the dog. I do. Well, because it's because it it's it's it's. It provides Great. a clarity because you're watching something yeah. without so much of this other stuff around it. But it's very much just like, by the way, because I'm like, wow, my dog's like Lauren, then someone else with a toddler's just like, <laughs> you call him a toddler. No, no. Um, but it's interesting because I watch, I watch Frankie um, and she gets into these, she doesn't have the skill to settle mm. herself completely. And what we were doing for ages is just leaving her up and she was this almost stimulus around and then eventually that would she would get into this cycle of mm. just being overstimulated and there wasn't mm. a point to settle back there wasn't a point to settle in um i've now noticed her behavior is to go nuts and then go so nuts that she reaches a point where she runs out of energy and that settles herself so that's that's our current issue, um, where she goes like mm. absolutely ballistic, um, and we just have to contain it. But from like our our like perspective, we're thinking about um, you know what what's happened. What you're sort of talking about, Bernie, thinking about that lots and lots of stimulus. You sort of found a point where you settled, and you sort of went actually like I am starting like needing to settle and, and separate and seeing that difference. Or I wonder how many people, and I, and I think about this sort of myself, when we sort of get caught on a cycle of, oh, I'm consuming, oh, I don't know, oh, I've got to consume more, and then it sort of it self-perpetuates. And sort of what we need as clinicians, as, as not so much like a natural reset, but just as points that, that might be helpful not just to catch this, but maybe catching other thoughts, feelings, and, and, and things. And we, if you're talking about that safe space, is it is it having that safe space where you come into and to notice things more, sort of getting off it off off, it, off the treadmill and all that? Well, and I also wonder. It makes me think about a couple of different threads around podcasts being, you know, inherently cognitive generally as well. Like, so if we kind of really zoom out and go, you know, the more that we're learning about this embodied approach for both clinicians and patients and, you know, how many of the potties take us back up into a real cognitive focus and and don't perhaps even just implicitly the way that they're the speed or the or the tone or the content like or the way the, the podcast people, you know, talk to each other, you know, there's stuff happening there that might keep us in a real cognitive kind of lens and doesn't allow that sort of embodied widening. Um, and I suppose what Burns talking to is she's like something in me knew I needed some nourishment rather than just, you know, cognitive knowledge. So I think that's the piece that I'm really interested in is like, are we at the moment, you know, in this place where we think the cognitive input is the nourishment and it's actually not, um, not saying that's, you know, either or, but mm. is there perhaps looking into a few more of the, the, I suppose the conditions of the podcast, but also like taking an approach that considers the whole as well. Um, that's where my brain kind of goes.
it's a long silence. <laughs> what do you think? I'll go to Ben. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, considering the whole person, so important, obviously, as you've um, helped me to realise very well. But, um, yeah, I really do think that's what you guys are doing really well. Um, and, it's, yeah, it's always going to be developing and, Everyone will need different things at different times, but yeah, I think that's the. I think that's really what resonates with me always with this little podcast. I think the other thing I really like is that it's not super regular. Like, there's no like it's every single week because um, <laughs> I feel like that's that's stressful in itself. But I'm like, oh, it's popped up again. Yeah, okay, I can fit that yeah. in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> we have a six month break after three yeah. episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well it kind of you know, to to speak to that, we 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 fit it in when kind of our rhythms line up. Mm. You know, then that's been a real kind of intention of ours is is not squishing it in like we were gonna have you last week, remember? And mm. that wasn't right. It was too squishy and it just didn't feel like it was going to to kind of serve all three of us at the same time. So I think I think that's what we've been chipping away at doing is noticing our rhythm for this and how it actually feels quite nourishing to do the podcasts um and that's been then coming through mm. i hope with um with listeners well yeah we went for that period where we, we were like we were recording podcasts and it didn't fight and we were trying to get something and i think that sort of speaks to something i don't think we really spoke about at the time when we were changing was that we were both sort of coming out more sort of stress trying to achieve this thing and it wasn't until we sort of found a way mm. of working where we let go of some of these ideas that actually the beauty of it came out and I guess as I say that I think about isn't that kind of like exactly the experience that we have when we treat patients we're like get mm. the outcome get the outcome and you're sort of like mm. trying to force things and in a way that we weren't you know, we were leaving, you know, leaving these patient encounters exhausted. And that's what we see. We see clinicians all the time saying, I'm leaving exhausted, having mm -hmm. done all this work um, rather than, and we sort of think about if you're feeling like, you know, work and tired and exhausted, how's the patient leaving feeling? Is this a way of working that we are achieving what we need to achieve? And, and so much of that just comes down to the structures we're taught, the expectations and whether you know we have the ability mm. to start to break those so i was actually um i was chatting to um another podiatrist earlier today and um <clears throat> it was interesting just to hear we just were unpacking a little bit of how they're going and it was interesting to hear the the nourishing piece for them um, in just doing in general treatments was when you know there's silence in the room they've done a they've done a lovely catch-up with the client you know they're doing the work and there's just silence in the room and there was, they could hear the music and it was like they were just sitting and getting nourished in that moment of not having to make the conversation and they knew both clients and therapists mm. knew there was, there was clarity and they knew where they were heading and but there was just this really nice companionable moment where and because she mentioned it we just but we then just focused on it and was just kind of drawing out like what actually happens in this moment for you um, and not seeing it as like oh, shit I'm not feeling a gap or I'm not talking about the plan or, oh, I feel odd in this silence because it's a silence, you know? Um, so it was really cool just to, and she's a new grad. So, you know, that was a really lovely conversation to just be able to find a little pearl of rest in a way within session um, that um, hopefully just had a tiny little shift of her worldview around what each session needs to look like from an outcome perspective, um, rather than kind of looking at it through an experience lens. That's so interesting because I've been in businesses where the silence is a mm. negative thing, where we're not, it's seen as we're not 
engaging with the patient. We're not providing this... Uh, well, I'm trying to struggle to find the word, but like mm. rapport where we can just talk for ages and therefore they're going to want to come <laughs> back and see you. And, you know, you, it's like this... That There's an idea of what is what a treatment has to look like, what everyone's going to respond to. Mm. And therefore we have to try and kind of like make sure that we're performing to that standard. And, and performing is literal, like a, it's a performance. It's like a show. It's like, we've got to be so on, we've got to be talking, we've got to be entertaining. We've got to be creating this environment. And I've had so many patients over the years that just come in and then just are really happy with mm. silence. Yeah, There's just a trust. The patients that, that follow me are not the patients that from clinic to clinic to clinic are not the patients that I have the the greatest, like, jokey rapport with. I, ironically, I think some of those patients are the ones that uh, are, I, you know, the irony of the whole thing are the ones that then transition to someone else because they have, they're trying to look for that rapport and they can try and gain it with anyone. It's the people where we have a much deeper trust. Mm. Those are the people that come. We're not always speaking when we do speak, we might speak a bit deeper and then we might sit in that reflection. Like those are the people that come back and go, I want to stick with you because I trust. And that silence is kind of that, in a, in a way we can look at it for some people as a signifier of trust because it is awkward. Society, we're not taught that we're supposed to have silences and if someone feels comfortable enough to sit in silence with you, that could be a really positive thing. But also be negative, that could be frightened as hell because mm. um, you've got a scalpel and there's a like a there's a breakdown in, in what's happening but it's an interesting reframe i guess i'm, I'm that that's sort of specifically thinking about general treatments that's sort of my experience i'm wondering what it, it, does that resonate with you as well burn or have you had a different experience um no i think um being comfortable with the silence sometimes takes time like i know it took me a little bit of time to become comfortable with that. Um, but I, I also find often from the silence is when the patient might bring something forward um, because they're able to. So I guess when we're always filling the space, they you know, just answer your question, but maybe they don't have any a chance to have that emergent thought themselves. So, yeah, I think in our clinic we... We do really celebrate the the silence, which is which is cool, and um, I think helpful for our new grads and younger ones to know that that's okay, and um, you know they can do it their own way. We don't try and put them into a box or yeah, just mm. let them explore. And I think that um, that piece again, if we come back to kind of you know two nervous systems hanging out together. Mm or two, two physiologies hanging out together, influencing each other from that intersubjective space, is that if we're, if we've got ways that are going to settle us and the silence is, is regulating and nourishing and it allows things to settle, then, you know, it might not be exactly the same for the patient's experience, but if our physiology can then allow theirs to settle a little bit, like you said, Burn, to then bring something forward that might've been held, mm then like we've talked about in a couple of episodes, Alex, like that's, that's the gold. That's what you want. Um, so I love that this new grad, we could chat about her experience of silence in this way and, and highlight it as a nourishment piece, a rest piece, and also, you know, really not, not just normalize it, but kind of celebrate it. Um, so that was just, I just thought that was a lovely piece where I'm like, she's getting that as first year out. Mm. Mm. You know, whereas how many years out are we and we're just now going, how do we nourish ourselves in session? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely that it's starting earlier. Mm. It's it's interesting, yeah, because it's, it's about, and I, I guess you were sort of talking, Burn, to like your clinic where it's, it's not focusing on reproducing the the same process or the same outcome where you're focusing on 
what that person how what the strengths and weaknesses of that person are and how we can how how they can work in a way that 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 suits that and I just how much of uh, clinical practice in a way is just following through of what we think should be done what yeah. we think people are going to respond to the very cognitive how how do we look at something and go that was what we did and I guess that speaks to the the cognitive overload as well and the taking all in all the information we're looking at at, at something and we're going what is said what is done what is um, what can we understand whereas what we don't often think about is how it feels yeah because we don't we don't get that in that moment we're not the clinician and we're not the 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 person and we're not encouraged to think about that is an interesting exactly i was going to say it's not drawn into your you know attention field mm. it's not it's not valued you know um and it's there it's always happening but again what are we prioritizing what are we valuing what are we modeling that this is how we learn or this is how we integrate information or this is this is what an experience is um it's interesting as well because I, I, one of the things that have sort of come up and when we were not doing our, our usual sort of reflection, so this might be something to explore in, you know, one of our usual um, hour-long in-depth discussions about everything and <laughs> anything. Everything. Um, <laughs> sort of, I came across the these twelve stages of burnout. I can't remember the guys mm. who, who wrote it. And, um, you know, frameworks are there, provide guidance. They're not really like all of the usual disclaimers and mm-hmm. this is not hard, fast knowledge. But the interesting thing that came up was stage one was feeling like you need to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not only something that I've just come across and been thinking about, but it's something that, that's coming up in a way now, underneath a lot of things, is that there's this feeling that I need to do better, I need to be better, mm. I need to I need to prove myself the way. So it's not just about being better, it's about doing it in a way that I can show others that I am better. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting because I think there's that level of I need to 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 know more and do more and it speaks to the performative aspect of of experts quote unquote i mean i'm not yeah i'm not always clear that that's the best way to put it i think we all are Mm. experts in our own way at specific points but if you have someone come on a podcast or come on an education you know and us too i come as as someone with a knowledge of us of of us of a specific area i'm performing and i think that can be the 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 that test for other people where they I can't perform to that level. I can't, mm. I'm not able to do that because that's proving mm. that I have this knowledge. I think what pops up for me is uh, it was wellbeing master's days, but kind of just discussing, you know, the, the sense of the word strive as different to thrive and how kind of strive had this energy or force or push behind it. Um, whereas thrive, you know, in our discussion was more about this growth and expansion and openness and um, kind of had a nourishment piece to the growth. Um, and just when you were talking, I was thinking about that strive and that prove and that has that sense of I've got to put more in here and kind of push it somewhere. And it has to be seen and it has to be, you know, like a real sense of extra energy. I, th- the, oh, yeah. I was just, I was just thinking of, I, I read this book, and, um, The Psychology of Money, complete left turn, but I'll bring it back very quickly. Okay. Which I don't always <laughs> do. Uh, <laughs> the idea is a book about money and investment and it's looking at, the human aspects behind the decisions that you make, which I think is probably the, the easiest way to explain it. And mm. one of the things that the, that he talks about is is the whole pur- purpose is compound interest, making investments that 
will play, will compound over and over and over and over and over time and staying in the mm -hmm. game. So being at mm -hmm. a point where you can keep taking advantage of that compounding. So if you've got, so the idea of investments is not looking for you get rich quick, it's looking for your, what can I do that's gonna be sustainably, that I can put in, that's not gonna knock me mm -hmm. out, that's not, not some investment that's gonna blow up on me, not things that are high risk. And there mm -hmm. is a level of having high risk and you might do something that's higher risk, but it's, it's on the back of something that is, you've got your low in the background building up and, and, and speaks to people about, you know, some of the, the most wealthy, well-respected people are people that reach their, their millions and billions very late in life because mm. they were building that compounding until they got to the millions and then it sort of took off from there, the compounding, and they had the ability to take the higher risks and for them to pay off. So that's venture capital. You make 30 investments and you one block. But we can think about the same thing with us where it's a case of thinking about thriving and striving. I mean, that's, that's, we can sort of look at it from high risk and low risk and we look at it from things that require so much more energy. And so he pointed out, if you've got this high risk investment and that it's just causing you so much worry and concern and it was driving you nuts, that's not a goosement because the whole idea mm. of money is to thrive, is to, to have a life that you enjoy, that is comfortable. It's not there to be awake at night worrying about your investments. And it, I think it's the same thing sort of here. I think about what are we doing day to day to day that is focused on more about what is the life we want to leave? How are we thriving? And then how does that interact with all of these other aspects, which is our health, uh, you know, relationships, that sort of thing, but but importantly, work. And are we, mm. when we're doing this striving, are we going for this higher effort, higher energy, more costly sort of investment in our, mm. uh, you know, in our life? And does mm. that always pay off, especially if we're constantly going from one to one to one? And is there benefit from this lower risk or lower sort of energy in a way which might seem really like we're not putting in a lot, but it means we're on this constant path or have at least got this core component of, of, of uh, our work life where we are build, building consistently, staying in the game, not burning out or, or going and, and getting you know, really stressed out and then having to take all this time off and recover and rebuild till we can invest again. Mm. Well, I think what comes up for me listening to you, um, thank you for the lovely synopsis of Psychology on Money. Um, Anytime. It's great. It's, it's a great fantastic. I highly recommend it. <clears throat> Just chuck that in the middle of a reflective combo and I'll learn. That's great. <laughs> um, also, don't let my partner listen to this one because you just, like, you just said what he said and I say sometimes no to him, but you just validated <laughs> his whole approach to life. So, um, <laughs> but... Um, he doesn't listen. It's okay. We won't get him on. Um, I was thinking when you were talking, especially about the bit by bit by bit and the, the small bits and you were talking about investments and I was thinking about investments in ourselves and then investments in our, our clients and the relationships. I was thinking about, I know, you know, Brene Brown's marble trust jar, whatever she calls it, but that sense of trust and that slow, slow, slow burn of trust that is just like a marble in the jar and they're just tiny little moments. And how to anyone else on the surface, it might not look like a big moment, but you're just building that trust. And she talks about it in obviously relationships, but I'm also thinking about it with ourselves. So that, that investment in ourself as a clinician and as a human and as a, you know, our well-being, but that sense of these little moments of making decisions or, you know, Burns walking instead of listening to, to a podcast, like that trust in what I need to be sustainable and to value and invest in myself, which is ultimately investing and valuing in the client and the experience and the outcome, because there's always an outcome. So I just like that piece around, even from a burnout lens around, you know, the podiatrist who is talking about her silence moment. That's a, it's a moment we're investing in nourishing her sense of what she needs in a, in a session. So that's what came up for me was that building trust in ourselves as clinicians who are humans um, and who can't do it all and who, you know, this, this burnout frame, like, you know, to me, it really feels like that starting point is how can we 
trust in ourselves a little bit more or you know, what's already there that we can trust in that we're not acknowledging or paying attention to or, or, or sitting with or celebrating. That really sort of goes to, I think, what we discussed last episode, which Bernie didn't I know, to, sorry. So, <laughs> I, I know we weren't going to. We weren't going to rub it in, but I'm just, just letting this one We in. weren't. Um, you have been doing the rubbing, Alex. I am sitting here in full support of Burn going for a walk and not listening I am to fully our support. This is how I This is how I show show, show my support because it, it's... No. <laughs> last, time we, last time we sort of spoke about how are we, in our learning environments, like almost how we're not building confidence calm clinicians we're building question and answer clinicians and it's interesting because then we talk about this what we need um to thrive Mm. we're not and and so much of it comes in trust in ourselves and being able to go i can trust that i'm making the right decisions that i know enough to be able to do my job there is more that i can Mm -hmm. know but i know enough now and i have a system and i'm resilient enough person that when there's things that I don't know, I have the network, I have the capacity, I have all the things to be able to overcome that in that moment. And yeah, that's exactly yeah, what we're not doing with our learning environments with this, the question, question and answers and the focus and that draws in on the, the cognitive aspect here. It's, it's, we're so much more focused on, on yeah, pure knowledge and not processes, not comfort, not confidence Mm. does that you know with your experience burn and and seeing new grads and people coming through but also you know potentially sounding like your workplace is a lot more a lot more open to some of these ideas maybe what you see in in other people and other clinics or or people have come to your clinic from other clinics that haven't been as as open yeah i guess like yeah, um, definitely. We've, I think we've been trying to really create a bit more sustainability um, in our clinicians. And I, I think that goes to celebrating all the things that, you know, the, the things we don't know and the real humanness and uniqueness of each individual. Um, but I think that those things are what make the relationships within not just the, cl- like the clinic, but the relationships with your patients, I think, is what makes them so special that, you know, when we do say, I don't know, and um, I was just thinking as you were talking about a patient who he, he does have all these specialists around him, but, you know, I, I got my receptionist said, oh, you know, can you please call so-and-so who wants to touch you? And, you know, there's lots of questions from they've just seen all these specialists, but just, I guess, wanted that peace of mind from me, probably the person who had the least sort of, you know, expert knowledge about the stuff that he was talking about. But I guess there was that safety because we'd kind of fumbled along together and there was that messiness in the process. And yeah, we've we've built the trust. And I think that's what we want to, what we want to make okay within our clinic. And, yeah, I think that's the realness that is going to be there, but maybe no one's talking about that and then that's what then becomes scary and clinicians are feeling like that's not what should happen, but I think that's just reality and the more we can talk about that and um, make it okay, I think that's where the beauty will kind of grow from and, yeah, it's okay to... Yeah, in our clinic that it's okay to make mistakes and I think that's where we reflect on and where a lot of the cool stuff comes out of as well. Mm. Lovely. It's really cool to hear the just little stories like that around um, how clients can come to us and they, they're not looking for more expertise. Mm. Sometimes what they're looking for is a really safe place to soundboard or just connect dots or you know share how it's overwhelming that I've got six specialists and I you know that in my mind sometimes they're looking for the one who doesn't have the specialist expertise because 
They're not going to feel potentially threatened or more information is not going to come at them. You know, I think that's something that, again, might be potentially undervalued in our in our skill set is the ability to to hold hold the frame or the container. Um, and Alex, we talked about one of this, you know, I think it was the last one where you had a client who you didn't, you said, I don't know as much as the this person, this person and this person, but we had to make a decision together. Mm. You know, and the way we made it was by fumbling through the messiness together mm. and, and that being okay, but also being committed to finding an answer for that moment that was what the patient needed. Well, I think this sort of really speaks to, you know, what I was trying to say earlier about in terms of your about expertise and what it, what it is, mm. because I, I just keep thinking about how, you know, we, we focus on exp- expertise being knowledge, but expertise in terms of skill, there's an expertise in creating a, a safe space, being non-judgmental. There's an expertise mm. in understanding an individual, in going through a process of, of, discussing, of discussing their life, that you can gain enough knowledge that then about them that you can provide them with a lot of really good advice. And I think that's so much of what I see and, and specifically that patient, I've, I've forgotten we discussed that, that, that patient, mm. that patient is actually, um, it's going to be really interesting to see how she's going. I'm seeing her next week. Um, but so much of it was about what makes sense for me. I mm. went somewhere else and the focus was on the condition or the mm-hmm. pathology or the research or the, the things to do. And this patient specifically was, was encountered with uh, uncertainty mm. because the research and things were uncertain and the specialists were uncertain. But then there's, there's the other side where I see where, where you know, exactly your experience, Burn, where, you know, the patient had a lot of certainty around, you know, all this information and they had to potentially make a choice or they, they didn't know where to go. And it was a case of, well, what's right for me? And it always comes back to that situation for that individual for that person what is going to be right for them what is going to make sense and how do they comfortably make a decision and that's a that's a really key missing missing piece that I that I see a lot uh, mm. and and I think that's there's a tease in in handling those situations and talking to people about that I think that's and if we've got down I feel like that's that's a key part of what, of, of who we are, especially as allied health, in terms of where we sit in mm. the medical system. Like that, in the that reality, that is, that is an expertise, and that is something that that we can, we could if we get good at, that's something that I can think we can build clinicians to have trust in that process and go, well, this is and be a lot more confident because they've always got that, they've always got something as well that's going to stand them out. So from a purely cognitive space. I feel like that's something that we could potentially do quite well with with other clinicians. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and that should be really valued, I think, and it's often not. But, um, <laughs> no, it's not. Maybe because it's really hard to, um, I don't know, it's hard to sort of put your finger on what that is. You know, it's a feeling, I guess. But, um, yeah, there's so much value in being able to provide a safe and trusting environment for people to just you know, whether it is that they want to cry or they want to you know say all their fears to you but yeah I think that should be really really valued and not just from you know within our own clinics and but maybe from you know other specialists and all those people that are also around us as well yeah I do have a funny story mm-hmm. it's not from healthcare. It's, uh, is it from the Psychology of Money book? No. Well, would you like me to go get it? I can go get it. and we can, I, I've actually earmarked it, a couple of cool phrases oh, and, and parts of it. I, we, could, we could discuss. You could just read that out to us for 10 minutes. That would be great. <sighs> yeah, I could. There's actually a really good graph that I could just, it was sort of really changed my view on a few things and I, I could really explain it in detail. It's a perfect medium for it, actually. What was that story you were talking about? <laughs> So I'm not sure if I've, I've spoken about this, but my wife's a lawyer, um, works in employment law, uh, a very 
right next to family law in terms of being an emotionally charged sort of point because there's, you know, work such a big part of people's life. I mean, that's what we're talking about, you know, here a lot. And so there's also a lot of issues of justice and, and right, what was right, what was wrong and being wronged. Um, and very early on in sort of her, her career, she just had this client who would call and would just blurt out, like just talk for ages about everything that was going on and would be crying sometimes, would be screaming sometimes. And it was really quite, quite an emotional um, experience for her, for, for, for being my, my wife um, to go through. And the thing that came up as well is that she's like, I'm charging this client for this mm. time. Mm. And there was this nervousness about the cost. Mm. And I think that speaks to to the you know the, the point we're talking about here. It's like, oh, some people come in and they just need this space. And we're so worried about, you know, oh my God, is this person going to value this with the mm. money? Is this what they're paying for? And the expectations, the ideas, so many of that, that comes in. The, the funny bit of it is at one point, my wife chimes in and, and you know, has this, you know, in like the fifth or sixth phone call, she, she finally sort of plucks up the courage and just goes, look, I'm, I know this is like uh, paraphrasing sort of here. Like, I know mm -hmm. this is really troubling, but I just I let you know that we are charging for these phone calls. <laughs> and this woman through tears just wells up, just gets angry and just goes, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And I think it, it, it just sort of speaks to, to, to that, that I think people know mm. a whole lot more and people understand a whole lot more than I think mm. we give them credit to. And mm. I think in a way we can kind of infantilize in a, in a, in a, uh, a paternalistic aspect of, yes. of healthcare is, is thinking that we are leading everything, making all the decisions that we are responsible for everything. And at mm. the end of the day, these are generally grown adults. We see kids, but like generally there is an adult involved who understands what, what is going on. And if we're creating an environment to have these discussions, we're checking in, we're talking, is this valuable? Would it be, you know, just in the little phrases, I think, the way that I do it. Would it be valuable if we spent today doing X, Y, and Z? Hmm. Do you think we should spend our time exploring this a bit more? It seems like this is something that's coming up a lot, this misunderstanding. Do you think it would be useful if we went through this today? Hmm. Just little phrases and things, which is, I, I know you're going to say get very cognitive sort of process, hmm. but I feel like that's where we can start with these little sort of phrases. And I, I what we can, and it, I've found implementing this just these little things is that everyone in the whole space feels so much more comfortable because we've we've got an well, it's agenda it's like a communication yeah it's a communication skill set mm. i wouldn't call that cognitive i'm i'm speaking about when i talk about that that's more how we're how we're gaining information mm. um but i think that's beautiful that's that um you know it's a it's a, it's a skill set on how we bring people into collaboration you know, so mm. what I hear in your questions there is like an offering of like, hey, we could do this. And I think it's really valuable. Would it be valuable to you? And it's that offering in and going like, what do you think? Mm. You know, and you've got a hypothesis there. You're going, I think this might be something that's actually quite important to them because it keeps coming up. Mm. And so you're contacting that and going, hey, like this is, you know, this keeps coming up. I'm wondering if we could spend today on this. And it's like they're potentially going to be like, oh, my God, yes. Mm -hmm. That's actually what I need, but I don't know how to ask for that, you know. Um, so I love those. I love those little offerings. And it's it's interesting because I, I, I go back when I sort of talking to new grads, I go back about to thinking about what makes a, a great client. I'm, I'm doing air quotes here. You know, what, mm. what is, there's people that, and there's rhetoric around good clients, bad clients, again, in quotation marks. And what makes good clients good is often connection they know what they want they verbalizing and you're able to meet their needs whereas often a lot of people come in very confused they're not sure and I, I see a lot of people sort of feel like oh that you know client kept trying to take more time or this this client came in and just wasn't leaving happy it's like how much of it is is providing clarity and providing these and and pulling out 
and helping make mm. sense of what they need and then providing it, not just sort of guessing. Because I definitely had a patient the other day who came in who, who's had pain for so many years and was like, I was overseas, I didn't have access to care, these are all the questions that I've had, I've thought about it for ages, this is what I need. And I'm like, how mm. many pe people, and it was great, it was an awesome session mm -hmm. um, because we could mm. answer so many questions. And it was like, we didn't do much, but it was like, this is exactly what I needed because I've had all these years of thinking. Um, yeah. We don't get those clients often. Mm. Well, I wonder, sorry, Ben, you go. You oh, no, I was everything. just going to say, no, we definitely don't get those clients often, but... <laughs> But I wonder, the thing that goes into my brain is like, you know, all these shifts that we're trying to encourage in our in practice and, you know, hopefully in listeners, but providing that space for, like, if you think about what that guy did, he had time to think, he had time to consider, you know, he didn't, he kind of had his own process around it, but what could we learn from that? And how could we recreate little moments like that in session or between sessions? Like we might not even have to decide something in one session. But Alex is gone. Oh, I wonder if that was happening. Oh, he's back. Okay, I just paused, Alex. Cool. Because you went away. Can I start again? Am I here? Are you? Oh, you kind of are. A little You're bit. Sit sitting really still, maybe. Mm, okay. <laughs> I, I was sitting he's very there. still. He's <laughs> there. Uh, what was I saying? Because I'm not going to be able to go back. I'm not going to be able to go back and pick up what I talked about. So what I'll do is say I was talking about what that patient did overseas or when he took time and consideration. What could we learn from that to then include in our own sessions is, you know, time, consideration, reflection. You know, we might be able to cultivate those sorts of things that might allow these parts of people to come out that are like, oh, I've had a think, this, 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 and I've got clarity. And I think that comes, you know, hand in hand with moving into a more collaborative approach and creating more time and reducing the urgency and the force or the striving. Um, I think that's a beautiful example of perhaps what we could start to look for. Because um, I'd put my hand up and say I have a, quite a few of those patients who come in and go, this is what I, I've been having a think and mm. can we do this or that? Like, I, I feel like that's the clientele that I kind of work with. That being said, you've... I guess the challenge... Ooh. No, 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 you go, man. <laughs> I guess the challenge is when we have those difficult patients, it's, you know, sticking with them. Um, and, yeah, my mind goes to a, a few I've had back in recently that um, maybe went away for a little while. I can't remember if it was just because I went um, on a trip for a while, but... Um, it was interesting. I think I had two of them literally one after another that I probably hadn't seen for 12 months. Um, and it was, you know, interesting what they, you know, they both come back and um, obviously like our relationship was still, well, you know, we'd had a, made a good relationship and, um, but they were both what I would probably say is tricky patients. Um, hmm. But yeah, we yeah, with both of them, I think they kept having this little line of like, it wasn't like, when am I going to see you again? It's like, do you want to see me again? I'm like, yeah, mm. yeah, I do. Um, you know, what works for you? Or, But yeah, I think that's, I'm um, thinking back to when I was more of a new grad and being scared of those mm. patients, you know, oh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Am I doing the wrong thing? Or, um, But yeah, now I think it's hanging in there. With, in, with them and um, being in that maybe more difficult space, maybe with their emotions or their fears or I guess with one lady it was it was anger and frustration, but not at me, but it can feel like it felt like it was sort of at me a lot of the time. Mm. I think yeah. to, to draw on what, what you were sort of talking about, about Kit, was, the, you know, you talk about your patience of, you know, these are the patients that I deal with, but you've told me stories of exactly where people come in and they're not sure, and then you provide them the space to do that. And I'm thinking about mm. your patients, Burn, where they're saying, like, do you want to see me again? It's like, 
there's like that level of they're they're asking they're not sure if if you're if, if you they try not to be almost in a way i see patients that don't want to be a burden or they're mm. they're unsure if you're happy to keep seeing them if you can keep seeing if you feel like you can keep helping them and i think like so much of it is about like this development over time and getting to that place you know they went away they came back you know so while kit says oh these are the sort of the people to deal with i wonder how many people come in at that point completely ready and how much you know work you do with them kit with modeling to get them to that point but also the cases that mm. we see patients you know more more like you know we're probably more aligned in that sort of sense of the patients we see you know me burn in terms of they're then potentially not at that space yet yeah mm. and they're sort of and and we have that opportunity where it's like well do i need do i want to see you you know do you want to see me again and it's like well i do want to see you if you find these things valuable if you think we can keep doing this or mm. <laughs> and i think you're right you know like i've intentionally wanted to create that as a you know my whole business and service is around time and space and building self-knowing and self advocating in a way um so i pay attention to it a lot um but it's also interesting the more that i pay attention to it and and have success with it it seems that it happens within session mm. a lot quicker even in a way so that it's becoming more embedded mm. i suppose and then people are coming expecting it because of reviews so it's that sort of that again it's been five six years of of chipping away at it we come back to your financial model you know i've been doing the chipping away of the building the trust mm. whereas in the beginning i wasn't seeing those sorts of people mm. yeah so you're right it's it's a it's a product of my investment in myself and my service in the last four or five years but like i just had three emails this week from people from two years ago going i loved the work that we did two years ago i've been thinking about this you know but the way that they're communicating to me about what they'd like to come and see me about is completely different to two years mm. ago. Like the sense of what I need and how you're going to help me provide that. Um, and that it's very self-advocacy centered, mm. which is rad. I think it's a very important reminder that things take time. Yeah. yeah. I guess on that note, looking at, looking at the time is uh, mm. we, we've hit the... They were like, maybe we'll only do 25, 30 minutes. <laughs> Never going to happen with us. How was that for you, Ben? Oh, it was a journey. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I'm in my body now sitting here, whereas maybe at the start I was a bit fuzzy in the brain. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was, it was interesting. Thanks so much for um, taking me on the journey, guys. It was really cool. No, thank you so much for coming along on the journey yeah. and trusting us and sharing. Mm, so many cool points there. So many mm. cool points. And I loved at the end that you came forward with a point, um, you know, yourself, you reached out, which is lovely. That to me was when I'm like, Ben's kind of comfy, I reckon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cool. On that note... We've been Real Clinicians Real Chats with our special guest, Bernadette Mead. You can find uh, me on, if you want to follow me, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, The Rehab Podiatrist. Where can people find you, Kit? I am wisephysiotherapy.com.au, uh, wiseways.kit on Instagram and wisephysiotherapy on Facebook. We didn't ask this at the start, but I guess did you want to share... You don't have to know, not to put you on the spot, you don't have to share your social media. Do you want people to follow you or do you want to just flitter in, flitter out? Me? No. <laughs> I, um, no, I don't really have a, a space, but um, <laughs> you can, you know, if you know where I am, you can find me. <laughs> <laughs> if you could do deductive work. <laughs> <laughs> Um, maybe, maybe one day. <laughs> maybe one day. These things take time. Yeah. Yeah. Beauty. <laughs> you know, if you uh, would also say, well, we always forget to promote the podcast itself, Real Clinicians, Real Chats on Facebook and Instagram. You'll see when we've mm. got new episodes. If, you, if you're not subscribed, if you're not subscribed and you're listening, please subscribe. You'll, that's another way to find out. You, listener, might be our next guest. Is that what yeah. I say? <laughs> mm, yeah. <laughs> 
I guess I guess that's that's the point. We've got a uh, an email, uh, realclinicians.realchats at gmail.com if there are any ideas about what, what people um, want us to discuss, reflections they have they want to share. If there's someone that does desperately want to come on and have it, reach out. Yeah, yeah. Chat. Totally. That'd be cool. Awesome. All right. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.